which is hypocrisy. Now, we, we sort of make bad, think that Pharisees and Sadducees are bad, but they learned to be bad over many, many centuries. They, they took the law, the Torah, they took the law and they take it, took it to the nth, if you know what I mean. For instance, uh, back then people would take um, uh, you know, the water out of the well and they would drink it as it came out. The Pharisees said it would take a cloth so as to figure, filter out any gnats or anything like that. The gnats are the smallest animals that are unpure. But they just took things to the end. Remember the lesson of the, the uh, Pharisee in the temple? He goes up to the temple to pray and he says, Thank God I'm not like these other people. You know, uh, now, in putting it in true context, sometimes you don't have to admit it to me, you admit it to yourself. Sometimes we do things like that and think we're better than other people. But in reality, we're not. And I say when you do do that occasionally, beware. You're stepping into the ways the Pharisees were. The Pharisees and Sadducees taught observance of God's law, which depended on external observance. In contrast to Christians, it's eternal and heartfelt. In other words, your belief in Jesus Christ must be real and heartfelt, not, oh, I'm going to do this so I get to heaven. No, I'm going to do the belief in my very being that brings me and then hopefully inspires others through me to bring them to have that experience. I'll get into more of that in a minute, too. In Matthew 23, 27, the 23rd chapter of Matthew is, I believe it's called the seven woes. 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Exclamation point, I love it. In fact, if you read the 23rd chapter this afternoon, it is a great chapter. It is full of emotion. Again, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto the whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and uncleanliness. They appear on the outside, which doesn't matter to anything. It's what's in your heart. The focus of the collect is the Lord rose again for our justification in order to avoid the leaven or the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I love our, our epistle today. 1 John 5, 4 to 12, the first verse. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. If you've got God with you, if you walk with Jesus, if you can proclaim him as your Lord and Savior, you can overcome the world and all its problems. Whatsoever refers to every believer born of God. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you don't have God with you, you don't have real life. But the good news is today, if you have God with you, if you've asked him to come into your life as your Lord and Savior, you have life. That's good news. In our gospel today, St. John tells us, now, beginning of that gospel lesson, 
got thinking this over again. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, this fear they had, they had just seen their Lord put on a cross and die. The pain they knew of, the death they knew of. And so they were assembled together for fear that the Jews would come and take them and put them on a cross like their Lord and Savior. So Jesus comes into the room. Peace be unto you. Myself, if I was there and I was one of them, I would be like, and all of a sudden, peace. It must have been overwhelming peace that he came in that put them at peace. Because I'd be shaken, and so would you. If you knew what was good for you, you'd be shaken. Until he comes in and says those words, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even though I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. What an enormous authority he gave to those initial, if you will, priests. What enormous authority. On Monday, Thursday, we heard Jesus initiate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, and he gave his disciples instruction to continue this in remembrance of me. And in today's gospel lesson, he initiates the sacrament of penance, giving his disciples the power of the Holy Ghost that they may discern and pronounce God's absolution of sins. So when I stand here before the altar and I do the absolution after you do the confession, it is not me. I say the words, but it's not me giving you absolution. It is God working through me. To do. It's not me. It's him. There's a belief in the church that, let's say, I was a, of ill repute. I had a secret life. I'll let you guess what it could be like. But... If I had a secret life and I was evil at my core, it doesn't matter. The sacraments that God allows me to do are still valid. Of course, if somebody found me out, they'd throw me out pretty quick. But I can assure you I'm not as pure as you may think I am. But there is a little dash after me, occasionally. You know, and when Martin Luther did his first mass. He was a Roman Catholic priest before he turned out Lutheran stuff. He actually had a mental breakdown at the altar, realizing what he was doing, what God called him to do. And the mirror, I mean, when I do that occasionally, when I concentrate, tears come to my eyes because I realize what I'm doing. And when I do the absolution, Sometimes, or God does it to me, tears come to my eyes too because I realize what's happening. We have two seasons in the church, Advent and Lent, when the Anglican Episcopal Church says, do you want to come to private confession? And the, we in this church, I've never done a private confession in this church, but I have done private confessions throughout the years 
And one time when I used to do, I was a cursio, which is a program in the Episcopal Church. It means a little course. And it's a retreat for three days. We had ours at our conference center in Orlando. And um, at the last day, there was personal confession, private confession. And everybody went because everybody felt comfortable because everybody else was going. And some of those confessions, people would come in and they smile and they joke around for a minute and then they get to something serious. And when I'd respond to them and pray with them, you could feel the weight of the world going off their shoulders. Some of them would come back yearly for, for pastoral care. But personal confession, private confession, is a very good thing. Because the priest is not allowed to tell anybody you know, about what's said. The only times I can uh, repeat or tell anybody if there's a uh, sexual thing where somebody's molesting children or something like that. And yes, I have told, had to tell the authorities about a gentleman who did that once. And I told them I was going to tell too. I didn't hide. But personal confession, penance, is a very good thing to do. You think about it, I'm not encouraging anybody to or not to. It's you who need to think about it next time the season comes. But I'm open up seven days a week anytime anybody would like to. We especially see in these two sacraments where Jesus gives his disciples, all male, incidentally, the orders to act on his place. They have been ordained to the priesthood of Christ, not their own priesthood, but the priesthood of Christ. From that time on, when a priest stands at the altar, offering absolution of sins, he is doing so not of himself, but it's God's absolution. I don't have the authority. It's God who's giving you absolution. Now, what's the good news about that? You come to church. You hear the word of God. You hope it penetrates your very being. And you hope that the whole thing manifests itself in something good for the kingdom. Next thing after hearing the word of God, you hear somewhat of a sermon, then you have the confession and the absolution, okay? You should be brightening up at this point. But then you receive the body and blood of Christ and you should be just about coming out of your chairs because you come to church as a sinful being and you're leaving as a purified, soon to be sinful again maybe, being. But you received the forgiveness of sin. You receive the body and blood of Christ. And it sets you forth into the world to handle all that the world gives you. Think about it. How do you leave church? I leave church on Sundays in a real good mood because I feel that God has forgiven me. I have partake in the Lord's Supper. I feel good until I get in the car and then there's what's known as a post-mortem. <laughs> My wife usually will tell me, direct me what I do right and what I did wrong. But she's usually very, uh, very good. Occasionally I've gotten a old whip. But that's married life. Can't run from it. Let's say a little prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, be with us as we leave here today. May we be appreciative of all that we partook in this service today. May we feel that our sins are truly forgiven. As we confess our sins today, we say, by thought, comma, word, comma, deed. Let us pause and duly reflect on those things that sadden us bring us away from God, and let us be thankful when we hear those words that our sins are forgiven. When we receive the body and blood of Christ, may we know what he, and remind ourselves what he did on that cross for the likes of you and me. And as we walk out of this church and have the final dismissing and blessing, may we walk into a world that we truly can feel as though we can overcome the evils. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.